Hello friends, thank you for tuning in today. We had to rearrange some of our episodes because of the timely nature of today's subject matter. You'll see at, in the episode why we decided to do that, but we hope you enjoy and we hope that you will learn something you didn't know today. <laughs> and now, on to the show. Lost Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Walking the Unnamed Path. This is a podcast that is dedicated to expanding on the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of men who love men and laid out by our late brother and founder, Hyperion. We also touch on general topics and ideas that pertain to queer pagan men on a daily basis. Uh, If you haven't yet, please hit subscribe to stay up to date on whichever your preferred uh, media platform is so you can know when we are putting out a new episode. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Greywolf. And joining me tonight is my fabulous co-conspirator, co-host, Chris Ripple. Unfortunately, uh, Chase Powers won't be able to join us tonight. Uh, we're actually recording on a different night than we normally do, so it was the only, it was the only night that could work. So we're just going to go with it. But he is here with us in spirit. Uh, how are you, Chris? How have you been? Um, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, I don't know. Life is good. <laughs> no complaints. Getting ready to move at the end of, end of the month, actually. So I live in the Bronx now, but I'm actually going to be making my way back to Queens. A little shout out for Queens. <laughs> so I'm excited about that. Yeah. But otherwise, I, I'm actually officially on vacation this week. So I'm doing a bit of a staycation. So mm. I'm seeing some old friends in out of town, prote- pretending to pack. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it for me. How about you, Michael? What have you been up to? Oh, gosh. What have I been up to? I really haven't been able to focus a lot lately on doing other stuff. But you know, it's taking me a minute to get everything in order in my head. <laughs> uh, I've I'm, I feel like I've just been working a lot, but I've been doing more than that. Uh, my one of my coworkers is, is on vacation this week, so I'm working over forty hours this week. <laughs> but you're a nurse, so I think you work over forty hours anyways too. So no, you got me playing. No, no, no. <laughs> Everyone has the right to complain, uh, even if other people I roll. <laughs> um, but, you know, even nurses shouldn't be working over 40 hours a week. You know, no well, one should be working over 40 hours a week. Preach it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but from my experience, I feel like many people in our community, uh, we work a lot, you know. I think we yeah. definitely do a lot of working to definitely get the money in. Uh, but also, we do a lot of work in the community, too. And even though that's like work of passion, it's still work, you know? So self-care yeah. people, don't forget self-care. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but other than working, I actually started uh, doing student teaching again with um, one of our brothers, Kendall. Uh, he oh, started yeah. a new class, and we just we had our first class this last Sunday, and it was really good. I really, really I've already been assigned a student to work with and I really need to reach out with him ASAP oh, wow. because uh, he, he lives here in Dallas so oh that's, that's awesome it's always nice when you can actually but, see uh, each other in person you know yeah yes definitely and <laughs> been try, trying to get stuff ready for Between the Worlds mm. that's coming up this you know it'll, it'll it, the deadline will have passed by the time this episode comes out but uh, the deadline is this coming Sunday, which is the 11th for registration. Mm-hmm. So that's coming up in 
I, I can't wait to see everybody. Uh, and I, I decided I was going to make a side trip to go see my boyfriend in Illinois. Oh, good. So uh, hopefully I'll get to see him on my way up and when I'm coming back. So it's going to add a few hours of, to my drive, which is it's already going to be like a 16, 17-hour drive. Ooh. But he's worth it. I, I want to see him. It's been almost a year since I've seen him face-to-face. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's too long. I'm happy, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah. gosh, I, I, well, I, mean, I think Well, I mean, if you are right, yeah. but, yeah. oh. <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, you I, mentioned BTW. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned I you it. Yeah, yeah. I got my um my uh proposal in. Um I won't presume that it's accepted, but I hope it is. And then uh, you know uh as you mentioned, the registration deadline will be passed by the time this episode comes out. But then for folks that are listening, you know, I it'd be cool. Like feel free to reach out to us before you get to BTW and then, you know, maybe we can have a little chat session or something, you know? <laughs> Um, well, I, I, I'm thinking we do a special live broadcast at BTW. I'll bring my I'll bring my equipment. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah, that sounds good. Sounds good. I think you were planning on doing a workshop about the uh, on the empath as well, right, Michael? Are you doing that again this year? I'm I'm not doing the one I did last year. The one I did last okay. year was basically uh, introduction to the unknown path. Right. And usually the times I. The times I've done it, I usually do it once, then I skip a year, and then I'll do it again if you know I'm at the festival again. But um, yeah. So, but I did put in a proposal for a, a get. I guess it's considered a workshop. No, yes, it it'll be a ritual slash workshop for a, a spirit contact circle. Oh, excellent. So, all right. Yes, I'm excited about that. <laughs> Well, you better be because you're going to help me with it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, no one told me I'm like helping out, but you know, <laughs> I kind of figure maybe, maybe mm. Mexicans are like Koreans when it comes to violence, holding people. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. You should, you should have met my grandmother. <laughs> it was just assumed you were going to be helping out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, when our guest yeah. comes on, I think he'll let you know that Hawaiians are very similar too. <laughs> I also want to ask Michael, get... like, um, wait, I, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, no. you living in Texas. I know Texas is a huge state, but I want to check in with you to make sure you're okay after the the horrible uh, uh, <sighs> shooting that we experienced recently. Uh, yeah. I know El Paso is not close to you, but still, you know, uh, I wonder how you are doing, how the community is doing in Dallas. Hmm. And yeah, and, you know, that was another thing I was going to mention, and it slipped mm. my mind. You know, yes. as we started talking about between the worlds, but uh, that's also been making this week a little hard. Um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, El Paso is on the other side of the state from me, which is like right a few few hundred miles uh, away. You know, more than a few. Yes, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm it's, sorry, I'm bringing you on the spot too, so feel free well, not to well, answer. Well, no, it, no, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, community-wise, I just I don't know. I have no idea how the Hispanic community is doing here at the moment. Um, I should remedy that, but um, it did kind. Of, I I guess I was in a bit of shock 
what you know, the feelings of sh- the feeling of shock after it happened. Like I didn't really want to talk about it. Uh, I wasn't really on social media that much after it happened, um, and you know, I shared one article about the event that you know, I was I read it and it was talking about the victims and just you know reading looking at the faces. I was like, these people look like my family members. Yes. It so it did hit kind of hard, and I'm still dealing with it. I'm still trying to find my peace with it. I know never be you know 100 percent okay, but you know, and just talking with other uh, POCs about that, and then the shooting that was just the next day. uh, Yeah. Some people were that they're afraid to leave their homes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's good time to heal from that. Yes, for sure. I think I mean, I'm totally like um, pouncing on you with that question, and I think <laughs> it's it's totally fair that that I think part of us dealing with incredibly. I, I mean, I'm I can't think of a better word, but just like terrible or like um, like tragedy like that, um, and really. Mm-hmm like traumatizing, right? I mean, things like that. I think, I think you're right that it, it takes time to even to process it or to even let it in, right? Let alone respond to it. So yeah, please do, please do um, take care of yourself, Michael. And we're thinking about you uh, and for all of our listeners too, that are maybe perhaps still working through it, you know, Uh, of course, and please do stay safe in the meantime as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, what a world we live in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much to talk about that, you know, and maybe maybe we can in the future. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think you were about to segue to our guest when I, like, uh, yeah. on you with that question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's totally all right. That's totally all right. You know, so mm-hmm. would you like to introduce our topic, Chris? Yeah, Absolutely. So our topic today is Mauna Kea and cultural-led environmentalism. So you all might have noticed as a buzz on your feeds about Mauna Kea, which of course is uh, in Hawaii, and the work being done there to protect the sacred mountain. Uh, and then we are walking down the path, wanted to bring this important conversation uh, to our listeners so that we can be inspired by the folks on the ground, uh, on the mountain, of course, <laughs> and learn ways that we can support them uh, and culture-led environmentalism in general. Uh, to help us with this conversation, we have a guest speaker, my good friend Kapena Alapai. Kapena, uh, who uses he, him, his pronouns, uh, is from North Kona, Hawaii, is a graduate of Kahaka Ula O Ke'eli Kolani uh, Hawaiian Language College at University of Hawaii, and that's in Hilo, and holds a Master's of Professional Studies degree in Arts and Cultural Management from Pratt Institute here in New York. Uh, a visual artist, arts administrator, and cultural practitioner with a background in Hawaiian arts and culture education. Uh, he is passionate about Hawaiian and Pacific narratives amongst the changing demographics of the U.S. <laughs> Currently, he serves as the project and development coordinator for Arts in a Changing America. I guess a short name is Art Change U.S. A fiscally sponsored five-year initiative based at the California Institute of the Arts 
that seeks to reframe the national arts conversation by embracing the cultural assets of demographic change. As a grant writer for the initiative, he manages foundation grant proposals and reports, as well as leads programs like the Art Change US at Kennedy Center National Convention Series, Conversation Series, sorry. Uh, previously a coordinator for a studio uh, in a school's long-term program, he worked with artist instructors to uh, provide arts education to Title I public schools in New York City's five boroughs. Hear, hear. He also serves as a board member of Halabite, a New York City-based 501c3, connecting the uh, Hawaii diaspora community to resources, events, and each other, advancing and supporting an inclusive community with shared interests in the culture and future of the people of Hawaii and other Pacific Islands. So without further ado, let's welcome Kapena. Kapena, come on my to our podcast. Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you fine, Kapena. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a long-winded intro, but I thank you for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And I did it all in one breath, you know? <laughs> you did. Uh, I was very impressed. <laughs> Hi, well, thank you so much. You? Oh, good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. Michael, how are you? Michael. Oh. Did we lose him? Michael's doing great. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> no. I kinda figured. No. Uh, um Capenna, well, one thing we didn't mention in your intro is that you're also a beautiful, fabulous queer man. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you're single <laughs> or not, but feel free to mention it if you like. <laughs> our, our listeners I, are waiting. <laughs> with <laughs> with hold of breath, I'm sure. Uh, no, I am def- I am single, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> send in your profiles, boys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Capena, um, <laughs> um, I was thinking that maybe we could start to talk. You know, I mean uh, – you know, of course, I know you through your work with Halabai and you being here mm-hmm. in New York in the Hawaii and Hula community. Um, yeah. But I'm wondering if like, maybe you could start off by painting a bit of a backdrop, maybe like just telling us about Mauna Kea. Where, where is it? Uh, what is its uh, cultural and spiritual significance? Maybe speaking about Poliahu and sure. whatever you like. And then maybe we can move to current events from there, you know? Sure. Um, so... What is Mauna Kea? So Mauna Kea is a mountain, a sacred mountain on the island of Hawaii in the state of Hawaii uh, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And for those of you who may or may not know, Hawaii is currently occupied by the U.S. is how we like to look at it. Uh, We are a state, a political state of the U.S. as of 1959, which we can get into later. But (laughs) <laughs> uh, the mountain Mauna Kea is one of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five mountains on the island of Hawaii, um, dormant volcanoes. But Mauna Kea is the tallest. It is the, it's actually the tallest in the world. It's measured from the sea floor, uh, taller yeah. than Everest. Yeah, and it is one of our pico or one of our centers for Hawaiian culture and practice. It is uh, located because of its elevation. It's said to be located in the Vau Akua, or is in the realm of um, gods, as it were. Um, and so it was looked at as a temple in and of itself, um, which means that those who made the trek to its peak were, were um, dealing with some very, very powerful spiritual beliefs and practices. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so that 
is is that enough context? Oh, I mean, I, I we you know, pagans love mythology and culture, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll never stop you. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, in that case, no. Um, so, Monica, yeah. So it's it is one of the um, when when travelers are said to be are on canoe or in the Pacific Ocean as as the Polynesian people are a wayfinding community, we are voyagers. Um, that Mauna Kea was the was the point that people aimed for because it was the tallest. It was the one it's the mountain you could see above the clouds um, mm. from the ocean from far distances. So that serves as a center for our people. Um, it also is home of our goddess Poliahu. Poliahu is of the snow, uh, she is she is just the deity that inhabits that realm. She is the goddess of that mountain. She has a long legacy and lineage with other gods and goddesses in Hawaii. If yeah, if we don't know already, Hawaii traditionally was a polytheistic community or society, so uh, many gods, goddesses, um, and many forms for each. So yeah, um, <clears throat> and I think with that, I. What's going on currently and why Mauna Kea has taken a front seat or been pushed into the foreground um, in today's news is because there is a telescope, a 30-meter telescope that is being invested into by several different countries, Canada, China, India. Um, it's being led by several different universities, including the University of Hawaii, um, <clears throat> that is going to be 18 stories tall on the top of the mountain. It's been it's been sublet by the Board of uh, Land and Natural Resources, and it would take up about eight acres on top of the mountain, and it is being protested by the community, by the Hawaiian community and others, by the local community in Hawaii, um, because of the long history of mismanagement of the resources on top of Mauna Kea, and the desecration of the mountaintop, and as such, a temple, uh, which mm-hmm. is why been which is why it's a hot topic of conversation these days but yeah i'll I'll leave it there and then you guys can ask me <laughs> questions as you want it yeah no that's that's beautiful um i mean i do want to loop back a little bit you know like i, I think uh, many people that um that don't know hawaii right uh like i think people are often surprised to hear that there's actually snow there right because unfortunately because of um colonialism and tourism the public understanding of Hawaii is often just kind of, of, I guess, you know, people on vacation, getting lay on the way from the airport, you know, uh, and then just tropical seasons. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Poliahu and uh, the goddess of snow, right? And then uh, how this is her home as well. Uh, so thank you so much. I think um, I'm, yeah. I'm always, uh, I, I haven't had the, I haven't had the pleasure of acting to Hawaii Island or Big Island yet. But um, whenever I flew in, uh, yeah, seeing it, it's just kind of, you know, when you fly to Hawaii and it's, if it's like during the daytime, you just see lots of water for a long time. <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and I can only imagine what it was like as a wayfinder, right, on, on, on mm-hmm. the ocean surface. But uh, mm-hmm. even for someone like us on, in a plane, you just have a sense of um, um, isolation. Uh, and also just like, I don't know, I guess my mind goes to dark places. So I'm just like, oh, my God, what happens if we crash, you know? Uh, but then, then you see Mauna Kea come, come up above the horizon, and it's it's incredible. So I could only – actually, maybe I can't even possibly imagine what it was like uh, to be a wayfinder to see, to see Mauna Kea coming up above the horizon from a boat, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, 
it's I mean, and it goes without saying that Mauna Kea, I mean, the the people who are proposing this telescope for the top of Mauna Kea aren't wrong in in their pursuit or, or their reasoning for choosing Mauna Kea as a place to study mm. astronomy because the the mountains in Hawaii were all used to study astronomy since before Western contact. You know, you know, as as voyagers in Polynesia, the mountains afforded us a clear vision to the stars to the map that is the stars, um, you know, and that's how we become navigators and wayfinders. Um, so it, you know, they're not wrong in choosing Mauna Kea as a, as a site for astronomy and, and the, and the like, but it's the mismanagement of the mountaintop. It's the desecration. It's the little destruction, you know, um, so that we're protesting. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to ask, like, why, why, why does it? Let, let's maybe see the other side of the coin for a second. Why does it make sense to put this telescope on Mount Okea, as far as like location and things? Like, what, what's their argument, you know, about putting it there in the first place? Yeah. Um, for those of I, I just have to preface everything that I'm saying is um, yes. <laughs> my own opinion and my own. I definitely acknowledge that I'm biased, and you know, if you want to find the facts, I I empower you to go out and dig those yourself. Um, but yeah, anything I share with you, for sure, is coming direct from me. Um, so I found this on the TMT website, <clears throat> and they have a whole section on their story in Hawaii. Um, and Hawaii oh, just, was chosen. Sorry, just to clarify, TMT is the 30 meter telescope, right? That's the, yeah. Yeah, the, the that's the plans for the telescope. Um, is, is it actually an organization in and of itself? It's um, it's more like an initiative that is being collaborated on by several different entities, nations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that it really it they they do their work to find ideal locations across the planet. Um, mm to put these, these telescopes on. Um, yeah, and they, they chose Mauna Kea for a few different reasons. One is because of its low light pollution, as we are a very small island chain in the middle of the Pacific. We don't have a lot of neighboring um, continents, islands, uh, or, or the like to pollute our skies with light, uh, which make it much easier to see the stars. Um, and because of its elevation, it is above most times out of the year, it is above the cloud bank and it, um, has very, very clear skies. So the number of days that you can actually use the observatory is greater on Mauna Kea. Um, and I think another one is because of Hawaii's location, the weather year round is more favorable. Um, there's less, you know, we're closer, we're a little closer to the equator, um, but not so much where it's too hot and humid and all this other stuff goes on, you know, with the atmospheric pressures and things like that. Um, so Hawaii really is in the sweet spot for astronomy, for this type of astronomy. But yeah. mm. mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. And what, what like, uh, just speaking about the environment, I guess, like, or starting there, what would be the environmental impact of, of the TMT if it were to go forward? The environmental impact uh, is great. That is the number one issue as to what protesters are um, protesting for, is, is that the, the environment on Mauna Kea is fragile. Um, it, 
is the top of our watershed. It is, it is one of the highest points on the mountain, which means that anything that's placed on the top of that mountain trickles down. And that includes toxic sludge that comes from the telescopes, that includes trash um, that's generated by, by those living up there year-round, um, waste management. And there, there, are, there are lots of instances and, um, where that has happened in the past. Um, CMT or the 30-meter telescope is not the first telescope to, to be um, proposed for Mauna Kea. There are actually 13 telescopes up there currently, um, and that goes back 50 years or so. Um, so not, maybe not 50, maybe not that far, but um, <clears throat> a long, I can't remember the exact dates, but there are 13 telescopes up there now, and with those 13, we have seen spills we have seen abundance of trash and we have noticed a decline in certain endemic and indigenous species of um, plant life and animal life up there that have seen decline and also some some detrimental things ha are happening to the watershed that we can trace to the top of the mountain as well um, so that those are all reasons why we protest a building of a even larger telescope up there mm. Yeah. Huh. So, so I, sorry, I just want to, I just have a yeah. question that it, it popped in my head. I was like, so if there are already 13 telescopes on the island, why are they wanting to add another? That I mean, is, is it just because it question. is that organization? <laughs> no, well, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you, you, you would think, you would think if we have so many telescopes, why do we need one more? You know, why can't we all share, blah, blah, blah. Um, there are many reasons. So there are different sizes of telescopes up there. There are different um, telescopes with different lenses measuring the universe. And, you know, they all have their own focus and their own parameters for how they view the universe or how they are observing the universe, rather. Um, and the 30-meter telescope is different because it is literally 18 stories tall, um, whereas the ones up there now average from maybe between two to five stories. Um, so the, just the, the size difference between this telescope and the pre-existing telescopes is greater. Um, so they, they're, those who are proposing TMT are stating that um, this telescope will revolutionize the way we view the universe and, the, and our understanding of the universe. Um, yeah, so that's why it's different. Um, and each telescope is run by different university, different um, countries, different already you know we already have um scientists from all over the world coming to mama Kea to observe the stars um mm. yeah oh that's a great question michael that's something i was thinking about too yeah um <laughs> thank you Kapena, can you tell us like uh like what is on the summit of mount Kea? i mean you mentioned 13 telescopes on just mount Kea, right mm -hmm. um i what else is there is it like for the folks that don't know, have never seen it, is it like a developed like residential community? You know what I mean? Or is it? Ooh, is it I don't know. right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, tell us. so no, no, uh, that's a great question, actually. So it's not like a mountain like you might think, um, Yellowstone or um, you know these up high Colorado mountains that are actually developed and have people living up there. No, this this mountain is completely. Um, the mountaintop has no other structures other than the telescopes. Um, it does have altars for worship. Um, 
where where Hawaiians would be putting ho'okupu or or um, offerings for poliahu for um, wayfinding and and others like that up there. Um, there's also a lake that is up there um, called Lake Waiau. Lake Waiau um, <clears throat> is a very sacred place to many Hawaiians. It has multiple histories, multiple stories being told about it. Um, it's also been uh, a place that a lot of people bury their uh, their children's pico or their placenta um, or the pico. After children are born, it is customary for many families to take their, their child's pico up to Lake Waio and bury it there um, in, the pico of the, in the pico of the mountain. So... Um, other than that, yes, no other man-made, man-made structures are on top of the mountain. Um, at the base, there, there is an army base called Pohakuloa, which has been there for years, um, but we won't get into that, not tonight. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I think it's, like, important to know um, – I mean, I, I think like uh, sometimes we we forget our, our where we we don't know. Um, I think sometimes the visual, right, of like what is currently there, yeah. uh, it comes a little clearer about the envir- environmental impact because just we're not talking about like, um, you know, even even if it was already developed residentially, that would still be very sad, right? But it's, we're not talking about an area that's already been um, like impacted in that way. This is like mm-hmm. very much. A, a, um, this is very much like a cutting into, you know, uh, what's what was naturally there, um, besides, mm-hmm. besides the thirteen telescopes, you know. Yeah. Um. I think it's also like I, I'm glad you mentioned too that um uh you know you 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 mentioned that there's like actually some like some uh, symbolic like I guess make senseness <laughs> about uh, a telescope uh, or something astronomy related being on Mauna Kea because of the Hawaiian people's knowledge, right, around wayfinding and the stars. Yeah. So I think that's I, I think I'm glad you brought that up because I, I I've noticed that a lot of um at least what I've seen uh, about the, uh, the the pushback against folks that are trying to protect the mountain. I think they're kind of being painted as kind of backwards anti-science people. Oh yeah. Um, but um that's the Hawaiian people have never been anti-science, you know, um from. You know, before white people got there, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know, like, like the Hawaiian people have been appreciators of knowledge and nature and the wisdom mm-hmm. that comes from it. So I'm glad you mentioned that, too. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you did, too. It's definitely the Hawaiians are not anti-science. We are just different science. We look at the world right. differently. You know, our methods of looking at the world and understanding the world around us is very different. Um, mm. It leads with it leads with practice and it leads with um the science does not differ from culture it doesn't differ from religion it doesn't differ from um artistic practice it's all linked you know Mm -hmm. we don't we don't separate out science from the rest of it you know we observe we observe the stars we track the stars we you know we track we observe the the um the what is it what is the word i'm looking for the you know, seasons, sorry. Um, you know, people don't think Hawaii has seasons. On our seasons, <laughs> and that might be true, the, the seasons aren't tracked like how they are in, in the U.S. or in the continental U.S. In, or in the East where we have fall and spring and summer 
we have solstices, we have seasons of different fish, when fish become abundant, we have different seasons when we know this fruit is more um, likely to produce or, you know, things like that. That's what marks our seasons. Um, mm-hmm. and we know when this, when this tree fruits, this fish is more aggressive or this, um, you know, and that's all mapped in our language. That's all mapped in our proverbs, you know, so it's our science practice really does translate into cultural practice. Um, it's, they're not separated. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's, that's why people think we're anti-science, but really our science comes from a much different place. But ultimately, we, are the, ultimately we have very similar goals of understanding the world around us. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know in our conversations, uh, and then I guess in the official um, title of this episode, where, you know, we, we use the term culture-led environmentalism. Can, can you uh, let us know, like, how, how do you... How do you um, understand this term? Like, what do you mean by culture-led environmentalism? Culture-led environmentalism. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, it's similar to what I was just explaining about how... Um, hold on, let me back up a second. <laughs> can, you, can you define for me what you mean by environmentalism? Oh, um, let's see. Uh, I guess environmentalism... I, I, I'm sorry, I don't really have a definition prepared, but I would say, generally speaking... I think often when I use the term environmentalism, I'm speaking of like um, either protection of the environment or uh, maybe even um, a response to or um, maybe correcting is not the right word, but correcting of like uh, mistakes that we've made in the past Mm -hmm. as far as environment uh, that impacts the environment, such as pollution. I think there's a sense of like caring that comes with it too. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Like environment first thinking, conservation preservation that type of i guess yeah. so okay, okay. Just thinking about my, my new york city public school education <laughs> <laughs> hey, and no recycling <laughs> yeah everyone has different definitions for the same word these days yeah. um mm-hmm. yeah which is great the uh, so culture-led environmentalism to me means um for one thing it, it alludes to indigeneity and indigenous knowledge something that is not in current society held up as an expert knowledge base. Um, you know, we, we have indigenous groups all around the world. Everyone, every one of us has indigeneity to some place or has some um, indigenous knowledge to a place, you know, and if, and as, you know, as native or quote unquote native New Yorkers, we know where's the best pizza, where's, don't take the subway at this date and time, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like that's the type of, uh, and I'm, I am generalizing, but I'm, or I'm taking it slightly out of context, but um, you know, native New Yorkers have, have a way of, of moving throughout the city that is um, more efficient or more yes. productive than those who come into the city and can't stop looking up or can't, you know, figure out the subway, you know? So just in that little example if you were to apply that to an indigenous group who has been on a, on land or in their region for hundreds, if not thousands of years, how can you not hold them as experts to their, to the knowledge of that land? You know what I mean? Um, they, but currently it, it really isn't, it really isn't um, valued indigenous knowledge. You know, we, we, we need it. We need to have, a degree from a 
notable science institute or you know at a university or a center of learning to in, in order to be um, validated as a scientist or as someone with knowledge of a place you know so that that system that system is for me western and for me is um not culture led that is society led and that is um and that's let me retract that that's um not necessarily society led but it's less culture led i don't know what it is but it's not culture led um indigenous culture led environmentalism blows that system out of out of you know out of the water in terms that we honor the people that were there the stories and the histories that they tell because in those stories in that language that they speak are the keys to understanding um the place and time and nature around them you know we don't have to go in as scientists into a community and make our own observations and you know pretend like there isn't already that knowledge that knowledge exists it just isn't translated for you yet you know and really you need to look into the community into the elders that exist in that space or are not being shown or seen you know, and as a tourist to a space, to a place you would not, it, the, the elders of that place would be the last thing you would see. Um, so I feel like I'm starting to ramble, so please feel free to cut me off at any time. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, like, you have my thoughts spinning, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know when you mentioned New York, I know it was just kind of like a, a, um, uh, an impromptu example, but yeah, I mean, the word that comes to mind to me, and, and let me know if you feel like this is accurate, but you know, when I think about New York, and I lived here my whole life, and I've, I've often thought about, like, um, the way you move, right? The way you move in New York, the, the way mm -hmm. of being in New York. And I feel like a lot of that is, like, intuition. Like, you, mm -hmm. you know, it, it almost comes as, like, as intuitive. And it's, like, I feel like um, um, when you hear what visitors say about New York, right, you, you might hear, oh, we're all mean, or we all mm -hmm. walk, walk fast, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, or we all, um, you know, insert whatever, or we're loud, or we're dirty, or whatever it might be. But then, but then like, uh, you know, like in the scenario of a visitor that's coming to New York, if like, oh, if they think, oh, okay, all I gotta do is be mean, walk fast, and be loud, <laughs> and I'll be like a New Yorker, you know, you'll be the mm -hmm. first one to be jumped, right? <laughs> you'll be the first oh, one to be jumped. Uh, because yeah. uh, it'd be very clear that uh, you, you don't know new york you know so it's interesting like um you know i, I guess I, I you know maybe we're running that <laughs> that analogy a little far but um it's interesting hearing about this idea of knowledge that's um that's known by the people and of course held by the by the kupuna by the um by the elders as well right the yeah. knowledge keepers yeah um, i'm also kind of this is a bit of like a mental stretch maybe but then you mentioned like cultural like cultural no um uh, what was it and like college? like culture led understanding of a place. Oh yes. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this idea of like Western science uh, or like a Western um, basically academia, right? And then maybe uh, yeah. something that occurs to me is like maybe like this this idea of like academia as we know it is is um, like maybe you can make the argument it is culture led, but it's culture led from a very European Western place, you know. Um, and, I, and, yeah. and also in that way, it doesn't make sense to uh, approach all things in that way, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's, it, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not calling the Western way of academia wrong. I'm not saying it's, um, mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, pointing my finger and saying shame, shame. No, it's, you know, it is a way of learning. It's a way of operating and that's great. That's fine. Right. Um, but when it becomes dominant or when it yeah. becomes an eraser for other cultures and procedures for viewing the world, that's when it becomes a problem. Um, right. You know, and, and similarly, I went to the University of Hawaii, European institution, not necessarily, not European, but a Western model of academics. Um, but at the same time, I was taught by, by kupuna and elders who, who made the effort to get their palapala, to get their degrees so that they could be hired as teachers. You know what I mean? Right. So there, but those systems were put in place before I was born, you know, where people, where, where our elders were pushed um, by outsiders to, who understood the, the value of indigenous knowledge, pushed by outsiders to get degrees so that they could become teachers or so that they could be held at, to a higher caliber as a higher caliber or held up as experts I should say in their field um, mm-hmm. you know before it was noted as a field <clears throat> so yeah um, I, I don't think that they can't coexist sorry that's so many negatives they can right. coexist um, the western and culture led whatever culture western is interacting with at that time um, they can coexist and they can collaborate right. but they have mutual respect and an equal playing field in terms of power dynamics and dominance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for that clarification for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, fun. maybe this is a different conversation, but I also see like how a lot of that, like you mentioned like, you know, um, Kupuna elders, they were already experts, right. But with the coming of uh, yeah. this new system um, yeah. and then, you know, f- you know, you can make the argument it was a wise move, right. Or maybe it was a necessary oh, move. Take a survival, but um, you know, essentially, it's like it's like um, imagine if you have a doctorate and then, sorry, we don't acknowledge that. You got to start all over again. Just just prove that you're actually as knowledgeable as you think you are. You know, it's a uh, you know, I feel like it's another it's another demonstration of like colonial impact, right, on the Hawaiian Islands. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like you know, I'm, yeah, I, I feel like I'm also rambling a little bit because I'm also not very unbiased about this issue. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm. Can you tell us a little bit about like what's going on right now, uh, as far as the folks uh, that are on the mountain? Um, sure. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually. Um, there's a lot to be said about that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you very much. The. The, the protesting or the protesters that are up on Mauna Kea right now are some of the bravest and most beautiful people I know. Um, I went to school with a lot of them. I was taught by a lot of them. Um, you know, I'm friends with a lot of them up there. And so one thing, one thing to understand about the protesters in Hawaii right now is that they're under a kapu aloha. Kapu aloha, um, kapu, which means... Um, sacred or uh, can also mean forbidden can also it it it's almost like a rule it's almost like a law um but couple and aloha as many people know um translates to li- <laughs> for a lot of people alo- hello and goodbye but more 
more <laughs> a sense of love, more a sense of uh, acknowledgement, um, a, a sense of tolerance, patience, um, yeah, unity, all of that. So aloha, kapu aloha for the protesters up there is particularly powerful because it is a peaceful protest. It means that everyone up there is there to to voice and to protest in aloha or with aloha. So anybody who comes up there wanting to learn more will learn more. Anybody who comes up there wanting to pick a fight will not get it. They will not get it. You know what I mean? Um, they're there for they're there to debate. They're there to converse and dialogue, but they're not there to fight. They're not there to <clears throat> um, to uh, to enact violence. Um, they're there to work with the the police, the national guard that have been called up there. Um, but everything's peaceful and, and in a strong state of kapu aloha. Um, <clears throat> and so. Another thing that's beautiful is that a lot there are a lot of this movement is woman led. It is very um, much empowering, or just acknowledging of women and women's power and in Hawaii. Um, so let me see. I'm trying to figure out where to go. There's so much to talk about. Um, <clears throat> the, the first the first sign of the when the telescope was announced to be built. And they gave a date for the for the arrival of the machines to head up to the summit. Protesters flocked to the to the roadway, which there's only one to go up to the summit. And um, honestly, it, it's not a new thing. This has been going on for actually for a couple years now, a few years now, um, where protesters have been showing up to pro, to stop the the machines from going up there. Um, but right now there are hundreds if not thousands of people on that mountain every day camping out um you know and and living in this state of kapu aloha to protest the building of the tnc um so large large amounts of activists there are cattle grates cattle grates that are in the middle of the road like iron rails that stop cattle from traversing up and down um and people have been chaining themselves to those um for hours, days, you know, um, those are the ones who have been arrested, um, you know, but there's no fighting, there's no um, resisting of arrest, you know, when it's time for you to be arrested, people get arrested, but the sheer number of people is what is problematic for police, because they can't, they don't have the resources to arrest 500 plus people, you know, um, so that's where the power comes from, is in the numbers. Um, also there have been, so up there they have, they have toilets, they have, um, a donation bank that has food, free food, has clothing, has shelters, tents, um, blankets, all of this. Um, and, and it's all free for, for the, for the people that are up there right now. And they've even started a university and an impromptu university up there, the Pu'uhulu Hulu University. Um, which is all community led they you know those who are like we said experts in their field whether that's conservation marine biology um language hula dance um chant oli uh, you know any of that anybody who's considered a an expert up there from the community and there are many up there because there are so many elders up there they've been signing up to teach classes and people sign up for those classes and it's 
it's been an amazing thing to watch unfold on a mountain. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, um, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, everything you're describing is making me think of um, uh, the Standing Rock uh, protests that were happening a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, they basically had this enormous community that just formed to protest, you know, the Dakota Access Pipeline and yep, like they had, they had, you know, places where they did food, they had schools set up for kids and they had different tribes, different nations coming in to help uh, show their support uh, for the Standing Rock Sioux tribe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we're all connected. Um, all Standing Rock, the Lakota Sioux tribe in South Dakota, North Dakota, they, a lot of them have come to Hawaii. A lot of our Hawaiians have gone up to Standing Rock. Um, Auntie mm-hmm. Pua Case, whose husband, Uncle Kalani Torres, um, was actually in court against TMC or against the Board of Land and Natural Resources um, trying to get a contested case hearing. Antipua has been in constant contact with Winona LaDuke, who helped who helped call people out there, um, you know, to, to Standing Rock, who made the call out to the masses, and they all showed up, you know. So Hawaiians, Hawaiians and, and many, many other indigenous tribes across the U.S. are connected, you know, and have been connected. So when we put the call out, the call out, the call goes to our indigenous brothers and sisters who always show up, always. Like, mm. you know, so they show up and we got to show up too when they call for us too. Um, so it's been mm. beautiful. You know, the, the, standing, the standing Rock um, encampment, you know, that happened was different for a few different reasons. I was unfortunate to go. I was unfortunate to not be able to go. But, um, you know, there weren't any rubber bullets used at Mauna Kea or are not being used at Mauna Kea. Um, the, the, the amount of people or the, the officers that were at Standing Rock in opposition of the protesters were not necessarily from the community. They weren't Native American. You know, the officers that are on Mauna Kea that are there to arrest people are Hawaiian. A lot of them are Hawaiian, have family up there have cousins, have aunties, uncles who are all up there, you know, so everybody's feeling it, but they have to be there, you know, that's their job. So, you know, it, that is a big, big, big thing, you know, to have the opposition be your brother and sister or your uncle, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it would be, it would have been very different at Sandy Rock. Sandy Rock would have been, would have had a lot more of an intense impact um, because just because of who's on what side, you know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. <clears throat> So it is very different. We are all fighting for culture-led environmentalism, um, the ability to have agency over our lands, um, indigenous lands. But yes, the protests are in the same vein, but have manifested quite differently. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about like, um, well, I, you know, when you mentioned that there's a network of indigenous communities that are um, that are uh, answering the call for each other's, um, well, I mean, 
each other's movements and each other's issues. But then I think part of your whole point is that it's not uh, it's not an isolated uh, um, issue, right? It's actually just um, it, it it like it's a part of the message is that we it, it's everyone's in, everyone's impacted by it, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love that that um, that that's a thing, and it, it kind of makes me think about um, how like social media uh, has been like a tool. I'm just in 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 uh, being able to organize people in that way. I know um, mm-hmm. I know on my feed I've seen a lot of folks that are uh, not unable to go to Mount Kea themselves, or they just. Um, but I see so many groups just like posting uh, photos of themselves in solidarity. Oh yeah. Um, like really worldwide, you know. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's been pretty incredible to just see that unfold and to even to have access to, um, you know, even to have access to see folks that are um that are there on the mountain and what they're doing. And uh, I've seen several like um folks dancing. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. that's really incredible for you to share. And then I, I love, I, I mean, I don't know, I guess like there's always part of me that's a little bit of like a, <laughs> uh, egalitarian, um, yeah. uh, you know, communal oriented person. So it's like the idea of Hulu uh, University uh, just makes me very happy, you know, and, um, yeah. and accessing the experts in your community, it's, um, you know, uh, it, it makes sense. Right. And the fact that all of this has been uh, done, uh, without the exchange of like money, you know, uh, but just yeah. as a as a community, it also occurs to me too, like, um, and this is something I've like I've been like met with and moved by and uh, shaken by, but this idea of like aloha, um, and kapu aloha, this um, it's there's something so fierce about it, you know. It's just um, uh, you know, I I think often we we uh, see love as just kind of like a very passive. Uh, thing and then sometimes for folks that you know if anyone knows anything about Hawaii they probably know the word aloha and they say oh aloha means hello and goodbye like you said and uh it means love right but um mm-hmm. this idea of like kapu aloha being the rule of the land um uh for the community that's forming up up on Mauna Kea is uh incredible you know it's just um uh yeah it just it's it just it's just mind-blowing this idea of like like um sacred aloha, you know? Um Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure if I'm informing that in a coherent way, but um, you know. No no no, you are you are <laughs> it's, like, it's, like chicken skin about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no definitely. It is definitely the number one rule. Everybody upholds it and anybody who isn't gets checked real quick. And that mm. is everyone's responsibility. It's not like oh someone's acting up over there. I should let someone know. No, it is everyone's responsibility to check everybody else on their um, attitude, on bad behavior, all of that. So it's a community effort um, to maintain that. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to re- – I went on a bit of a uh, mental tangent myself. I'm just checking our notes to see. Oh, um, so I, I, I guess, like, one question that um, – Maybe we want to bring up, uh, and then we can always go back to any topic you want to take us, Capena. Um, yeah. But I guess the, the question I have is like for our listeners that, that I mean, specifically from Mauna Kea, like let's say uh, they they never been to Hawaii, they they have no connection to the islands. Um, like, what can somebody do like to uh, show support? Like, what are what are some things that that would benefit 
the movement uh, from your perspective? First and foremost, get, get, you know, take it upon yourself to educate yourself on um, what's happening on Monokia. If you're interested, if you want to learn more, I definitely think that's a good first step. Um, you know, and then the next question I think is to look internally as, you know, and to question what lands you're responsible for. Um, because none is not an answer, you know, none is not an option. You know, every, every one of us, even if we are not indigenous to that land have chosen to, or for some reason are residing on or have established roots on a land, um, Mm. which then makes us responsible for it. You know, I live here in New York. It is now my responsibility to, to care for the streets of New York, whether that's picking up trash or whether that's something, you know, and I'm not saying I'm out there picking up trash every day, but I'm, you know, but I, we do what we can when we can, um, you know, strategically, what makes sense for our areas. Um, but if you're interested in, if you're interested in, in standing in solidarity with Mauna Kea, I suggest you find um, a protest near you. They're happening all across the nation. Um, find a local community. And even if, even if they're, you're not standing with other Hawaiians or other Polynesians, get your own group together and, you know, um, and stand, you know, make a, get a protest. There are resources for you out there. Um, and actually this weekend is interesting because it is, there was a call from the mountain called the Jam for Mauna Kea. Jam for Mauna Kea is a musical movement that's trying to link all of the protesters that are, um, that are, out there for the mountain worldwide. Um, and if you go to manamele.org, that's M-A-N-A-M-E-L-E.org, uh, you'll see the Jam for Mauna Kea call or challenge, as they're calling it, um, you know, to sing this song on Sunday at, what's the time? What is the time? It's 11 a.m. Hawaii time, which would make it 5 p.m. here in New York. And so on and so forth from central to mountain to Pacific standard um, to sing this song in solidarity and submit it to Facebook, YouTube, and then someone will string all of these, all of these clips together to form this music video that will encompass all of the different uh, protests that are happening for the mountain. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's happening on Sunday. If you're in the New York area, we will be in Times Square at 4 p.m. Uh, 4 p.m. is for practice, and then 5 p.m. is when we go live. Um, so if you want to meet us on the Red Steps in Times Square, please join us. Um, otherwise, find a community near you. Um, <clears throat> other ways to get involved. There, let's see. There are, <clears throat> there are different groups you can support by donating. There's the Hawaii Community Bail Fund for those who are being arrested and need help making bail. Um, there's the Kahia Aloha Aina Support Fund, uh, which is prioritizing frontline logistical support for nonviolent direct actions. Um, if you can, if you can uh, um, support by sending someone to the mountain as a as a ambassador or as a fellow protester, you know, someone who can either learn what's happening there and bring it back to your community. Um, those are always ways you could get in touch with Governor David Ige uh, or Hawaii Island Mayor, Mayor Harry Kim to voice your opposition of the telescope. 
um, or that you stand in solidarity with with the with the people of Hawaii. Um, you can also contact Gary Sanders, who is the project manager for TMT. Um, he he is a big deciding factor on whether or not TMT stays in Hawaii or moves to the Canary Islands. Um, and so if you want to get in touch with him to voice your opposition to him, that would be also very, very great. Um, mm. Yeah. But if you can't do any of those to support Malakia, I definitely think taking it upon yourself to, to figure out which indigenous group uh, or which whose land you are on, ask yourself whose land am I on and, and see if you can answer that. And if you can't see which groups have been displaced and um, try to reconnect what was lost from that culture is because I guarantee you more than not, you'll have um, these little tidbits of wisdom that will come from that culture as, and that will shape your interaction with the world around you. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's all. Sorry. Capanna, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just re- uh, recap. So the website you mentioned is is, is Manamele or M A N A. Manamele. Okay. All right. Just making sure. Manamele dot org. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some videos there. Um, they have they have links to practice music uh, for the song that they want people to be singing. Um, and you can yeah you can see if you type in Jam for Monica on YouTube, people have already been shooting their stuff up so mm. it should be fun to see where, where videos come from it's incredible yeah. do you know yeah. what melody they're singing what song are they singing yeah they're singing a, a melody called Ku uh which is written by Hinale Moana Wong mm-hmm. um, and then they're also doing Hawaii Loa by mm-hmm. uh, Liko Martin and Pilahi Paki yeah so um, both super great songs, super great melee. But yeah, awesome. Um, oh, uh, if 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 any of us are are able to go to Mauna Kea, uh, are there any protocols uh, upon arriving that you would want us to know about, or that uh, that you're able to share with us? Protocol for if you go, if you're able to get to Mauna Kea, mm-hmm. um, when you get there. First and foremost, remain in a state of Kapu Aloha. Um, mm. And definitely, definitely take, if you can take your own camp gear, that would be great. Um, and not try to rely on other families. I'm sure other families would be happy to host. But if you can take your own means of, of shelter, that would be great. Um, and also, you know, when you're there, for those who are not Hawaiian or those who um, are going as ambassadors or as guests to Hawaii, I think it's really important to be observant and to um, just keep a watchful eye. Like, you know, don't try to interject yourself into into everything. Try to be observant. Of course, make friends and of course, make um, make acquaintances with other people and ask questions to those. To those people who you can um, but at the same time go to observe um, and pick up what you can you know we want to we want to make sure that we're we're good we're not um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here exactly 
<laughs> I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to requote um Ikela Crozier, Pomeka E. Crozier, um Ikela Kaniofio Crozier who we just had a talk with. And you know, she's like, if you wanna learn Hawaiian or you wanna know what you know wanna know what, what Hawaiian's all about, you, you find a you find a Hawaiian family who will host you and then you just shut up. <laughs> and you just watch them. You just watch them. You just, you just observe. That's what I'm, I'm quoting her. Um, you know, she, she's just like, you just watch them because anytime you interrupt, you're interrupting a process of indigenous knowledge and then they have to stop and explain it to you and then regain the flow, you know? And I thought that was so powerful because it's true. You know, like if you, if you interrupt a flow, it, it takes a while for it to build back up again, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's better to just observe and see where the flow is going and how it goes and when it takes a turn. You know, those types of observation are key, like paramount. Um, and needless to say, is another form of science. But, yeah. So I hope that helps. If, if anybody, I mean, obviously this is just coming from me. There are so many other resources out there um, to look at, and that would be a little more informative as to what to do, how to act, what to bring. Um, but yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, you know, like so much, uh, many of our past episodes, we've spoken about allyship and this idea of, um, like what, what it means to be a, a like a good ally, you know? Uh, so I think this idea of being observant, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, um, I mean, Michael, you brought up uh standing rock and I remember some of the, some of the, um, some of the issues that came up were like some well-meaning uh, folks that are outside the community, but they would come yeah. and they would dominate space or dominate like um, mic time. Right. Or even like the media would favor them. Right. So the message would become uh, misconstrued. So I, I think you're absolutely right. Like being um, ex- knowing that you are a visitor uh, and bringing your, um, your power right to a movement but part of it is actually uh, being well-informed. Mm-hmm. I also love to, Kapena, that you mentioned uh, educate yourself because, you know, I, I'm personally, um, I feel like a, p- a part of my work in, in this life is to create allies for the various movements that I work with. But at the same time, that's a lot of uh, labor, you know, to educate folks that are uh, not looking to be educated or just to, to take that time. So oh, yeah. uh, I know that's, you know, sometimes we're confronted with it and we're just kind of put in a place where, you know, it's uh, it's our reality, right? When we're fed with, met with these things as a queer person, as a person of color, amongst other things as well. So I, I think, like, if you are seeking to be of assistance, if you're seeking to be, um, to bring your power and possibly your um, the power that comes with your privilege for a movement, I feel like the one big no-no is don't be trying to colonize the movement, right? <laughs> or don't do right. it... Uh, just be aware that you can do that pretty quickly uh, and in a very, um, even if it's not intentional, it, it's, it's the world we live in, right? You have this yeah. privilege, you have this power. Um, so knowing that the power is there and, and wielding it uh, in the way that you're actually intending is actually something that requires education. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, I feel like we've, we've, uh, gotten so much information from your companion. Like, uh, Michael, did you have any other questions? I really yeah. cannot add anything else. Like, <laughs> this is exactly what we were wanting, you know, for the episode. You know, all this information, all this uh, stuff to bring to people's attention. Uh, yeah. Because, you, know, you know, the only reason I 
know about uh, this situation is because I am subscribed to every in indigenous uh, Facebook page I can get to, and that's the only reason I know about it, and that's why it started popping up on my timeline. And then mm-hmm. when I mentioned it to you, Chris, you know, I kind of figure you would know about it because of who you are. <laughs> and then you know, getting this, getting our guest, and getting this episode uh, going, and I yeah. lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think you know where I was going. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask? Can I ask what, what first one, drew you to it, or what what first piqued your interest, or about it? Let's see. What piqued my? I guess the fact that it was, you know, how do, how do I say this? Uh, seeing, basically, seeing indigenous people taking a stand against something is what first drew my attention to it. And I'm like, oh, this is Hawaii. Mm. And then thinking about, I know very little about Hawaii, like just the indigenous culture itself, and like. I should pay attention to this because they, you know, it's, you know, one of our, one of the states of my country. And I know that the people of the island are, all the islands are, how do I I say this? (laughs) Just like so many other, just like so many other indigenous groups are the victims of colonial, colonialism. And Mm -hmm. yeah, should do, we should do our part to bring awareness to these issues. And that's, why I mentioned it to Chris to begin with. Yeah. No, thank you. That's no, that's great. A lot of people don't know about Hawaii's indigenous peoples. And, you know, so I, I appreciate that. That a lot of people don't know that Hawaii is its own language. A lot of people think if you're from Hawaii you must be Samoan <laughs> or you <laughs> must speak Samoan. You know, so like people don't even realize that Hawaii is its own place and Hawaiian is its own people and Olo Hawaii is its own language and so I I really appreciate that you recognize that and that you know you that you had the interest to learn more. That's great. Excellent. Um well I mean I, I you know I, I mean Capena, once we get off the phone, I'm happy to come to Queens like we can continue this conversation if you want. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um, it'll be a little more feasible at the end of the month when I move to Astoria. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm wondering if you have any, I mean, uh, closing thoughts um, before uh, we close this episode. Um, cl- uh, just mahalo and thank you for being interested and thank you for using the platforms that you have to get this knowledge out. You know, I re- it's it's really it's really powerful, you know, to, to have the power and to use the power, um, for, for this. So thank you. That's what I have to say. Excellent. Mahalo to you too, brother. Um, okay. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> as far as like, um, you mentioned a bunch of resources, we'll definitely, maybe I'll follow up with you, Kapena. We could add them to our description, yeah, uh, when we post it. Yeah. Uh, and also, Michael, I, you know, Michael is actually our editor, but he's he's committed to editing this episode tonight, uh, so we could get it oh, out. Wow. Um, and then, especially with uh, the work that's happening around, um, uh, oh God, I forgot the name, is Jam, Jam, what? Jam from Monica. <laughs> Jam from Monica. Yes, actually. Yeah. So um, maybe getting it out so folks can actually, uh, if if they're able, be a part of that as well. 
So, uh, mahalo to you, yep. Michael. Thank you so much for your midnight oil that you'd be burning. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And um, thank you so much, Capenna. Yeah, uh, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> all right, cool. Okay. Um, so we're coming to a close in the show, uh, and we would like to thank everyone who is listening right now. Uh, we hope you will continue to walk this path with us. Uh, of course, please leave a rating or a comment and let us know how you like this episode, uh, how you like this episode or our show in general. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always email us at walkingtheunnamedpath at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at walking underscore the UP. Of course, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash walking on name path. Actually, I didn't ask you a companion ahead of time. We could always edit it out, but did you want to um, share your contact information or if anyone wants to reach out to you? No, it's okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just going to be honest that my email is quite bogged at the moment, so I'm hoping I <laughs> can't get any more emails. But um, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram um, at Kapena Gordon Alapai. I'm happy to answer any other questions or send resources. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. Hi, Editor Michael here. We originally didn't have a closing song for today's episode, but we went to the Jam for Manuake website, and they had the melody that they are wanting people to perform, sing, or do whatever with. So we decided to add that to the end of the episode. And if the people from Jam for Manuake don't want us to have it, we will gladly remove it from our file when we upload this episode without it, but we wanted to go ahead and share that with y'all. So this is the Hawaii Loa Medley from the Jam for Manuake. There's another name here, and I'm sorry, I don't want to butcher it, but we will include it in the show description, and we'll also link to the website Jam for Manuake. Enjoy! Oh, oh, oh.